are listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. So yeah, our teaching text this morning is going to come from Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. And just so you know, I'm going to read it twice because it's only two verses, so buckle in. Uh, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So again, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It nudges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. That was actually pretty good this time. Um, we're, we're improving every week. Our good mornings are getting better. Um, if you're new and you don't know me, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to serve as the pastor of discipleship. And yeah, just to reiterate, today we'll be talking about a life rooted in the story of God. Um, we've been in this series called The Good Way, where we've been reflecting on eight spiritual practices that shape and frame our life as a community and that orient our lives around the activity and presence of Jesus. And so today we're going to be talking about Scripture, but not in the way you'd think we'd be talking about Scripture. Because notice the practice isn't reading your Bible. It's, it, it isn't just the task of opening the text and reading. No, no, no. What well, we want something something deeper than just simply reading a text. We want a text that we can embody and live out. And so today we'll be talking about how not just do we just engage God's word, but how do we actually form lives that are rooted in its story? So allow me to pray for us. Father, you are the giver of all good gifts, and one of those great gifts is your word to us, God that you decided to condescend to human language and speak to us is a gift we often overlook. Thank you for revealing yourself through your scriptures. Help us to be people rooted in your story. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Stories are intrinsic to the human experience. We all tell stories. We all are told and listen to stories. As, as soon as you get evidence of recorded history and people, you get stories. Stories are how we make sense of the world. Stories are how we order our surroundings. Stories let us know what has been and might tell us what will be. Stories are intrinsic to who we are. We live by stories. We inhabit stories. We we imagine life through the lens of story. When I want to tell you about something that has happened in my life, I will tell you a story. Beginning, middle, end. Introduction, climax, conclusion. Stories are a part of what it means to be human. We all 
are familiar with stories. In fact, the anthropologist Clifford Gertz says this. He says that humans are symbolizing, conceptualizing, meaning-seeking animals, which cannot live in a world that is unable to understand. Stories help us make sense of the world. From the most ancient of cultures, stories have come to shape how people viewed how the world works, how society should work, how they pass down information. Stories are a part of who we are. They make up who we are. We are each living a story. Stories are central to our understanding of life and the world around us. And so when we ask the big questions in life, when we ask the question, who am I and what is my purpose and why am I here? We are asking the question, what story should I live? What story should define me? What story should give my life meaning? And whether we realize it or not, even though we're searching for a story to live out, we are also already living stories. Um, you know, for all my fellow Hispanics in here, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah, there we go, okay, the, the few but mighty. Um, but, okay, your heritage has a story. My grandparents came from Puerto Rico in the 50s on both sides of my family. They moved here, they settled in Brooklyn, and then through a series of accidents, I somehow came into being, and I grew up in Queens, and, and that narrative of a, of, of a family coming from an island to a city and has shaped me. It has shaped my story. It's a story I've inherited. So there's these inherited stories we have. There's stories that have been told about us by, by the very nature of where we were born and who we were born to and the cultures we find ourselves in. We have these inherited stories, but we also have these inherent stories. Stories we tell about ourselves. Stories that we use to make sense of ourselves in this crazy thing we called life. I, I had a story I told myself in high school in which I, I, I thought I was the main character of like a sports movie. And so when I played for my, my basketball team in high school, that's what I did. Every game I was prepping, like this is going to be the moment where I get my buzzer beater and, and win the favor and love of everyone at my school. The story is to be continued. It hasn't happened yet. But the point is, I was, inheriting, I, I, I was inhabiting a story I was telling myself. I want to make sense of why I'm playing this game, why I'm doing sprints at 6 in the morning because I was trying to tell a story about myself. We all have inherited stories. We have in inherent stories, stories we tell about ourselves. And so it makes sense then that if we were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, that if God crafted and formed us into his image, then it reasons to ask, what story is God telling? What story is God telling about himself and the world he's created. If humans are indeed made in the image of God, then storytelling is a part of the nature of God. That God is a storyteller, telling a story about himself and a story we have somehow become a part of. It's in, within this divine narrative that humans ultimately come to understand our place in the world. See, if God is the creator and we are made in his image, then he is telling a story about us, about himself, 
and about the creation. And all the narratives we live, all the stories we live, those, those stories you've inherited, those stories you tell about, tell about yourself, are ultimately either reflections of that divine story or aberrations of that divine story. But God is indeed telling a story about himself. And this, when we go to our teaching text in Hebrews, the word of God, or in Latin it's called the verbum Dei, the, the, the written word of God, is God's story about himself. The scriptures are God's story he is telling about himself. It is his self-revelation that if God is transcendent and almighty, he is also then unknowable unless he makes himself known. And so when we open up the scriptures, the Bible, what we are doing is we are reading and entering into the story God is telling about us, himself, and the creation. This is what it means to read the word. It's through speaking that God inserts himself into the human story. That while we're all looking for stories to live out, while we're all looking for these narratives to give meaning to our lives, God himself steps into the picture and gives us a story about himself. And by that enters into the human story. And almost as if you were to read a book, and I don't know if you've ever read a, no a novel like this where like the, the author kind of steps in as like this kind of all-seeing eye and kind of says things about characters that they don't know about themselves. It's only something an author can do because the author already knows the story beginning to end. God does the same thing. He steps into the human story and begins to tell a story about himself through the family of Abraham and the people of Israel culminating in the person of Jesus. This is a story God is telling, a story that starts in good creation, has a fall, then a special people chosen to remedy the problem, culminating in this person named Jesus, who is the climax of the story, and now we are living out the ramifications of that story that was told. But the question is then, how do we actually live out this story? If God is telling a story, and if his invitation is to live out this story, the story of creation, fall, redemption, reconciliation, if this is the story God is telling through these things we call the scriptures, if God is telling us a story, how do we live it out? How do I enter into God's story? How do I let God's story shape me? And so in our teaching text, the author of the letter to, to letter to the Hebrews describes the word not as something that is passive, but living and active. See, most stories we read, we are the active agent. We open the book, we scan the lines, and as we read, because we, because we, we, we have some mastery of literacy, we can understand what these sounds make, and these sounds make words, and these words make sentences and paragraphs, and through all that process, we give the story meaning. We, we're able to read a story and understand its meaning, and even do a step above, give it meaning. But... The word of God is not this passive thing that, that, that is read. It is actually an active story that does the reading. That, that, the, that the word is like this mirror that while we read it, it reads us. 
It's living and active. In other words, to, to, to live out the story of God must first begin with an understanding that in reading God's word and engaging God's word, that something is happening. That the power and presence of the Spirit is active and moving. And while, yes, we're doing the reading, something's happening to us. It's living and active. In other words, to translate that Greek word for active is effective. It affects something in us. It does something to us. As we read, the the story is is doing some self-reflecting. It's reflecting back to us. A picture of who we are, a picture of who God is, a picture of what it means to live in this world. And then it asks us the question, what shall you do in response to this story? The word of God is living and active. It, the word of God enters our story and sanctifies and redeems our story. That as we read the story about God, we begin to make sense the stories we're living. The story of God enters into our stories and says, this is actually the story you're living. This is actually that which gives you meaning. But how does it do that? Well, the letter to the Hebrews, the author, he gives the the word these, these kind of abilities, these these things it does. And he says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides soul from spirit, joints and marrow. The word picture here is these are things that are incredibly difficult to separate. How do you separate spirit and soul? Those things are inextricably bound together. To separate joints and marrow, the skill and level of sophistication needed to do that is incredibly different and difficult. And so what is, what is being said here? Well, described as a sword, the word of God, when we read it, when we engage it, the word of God has this discerning quality in which it can move past the stories we've been telling right to the heart of who we are. Thomas Merton says we all have this thing called the false self. If we were to put it in modern parlance, we all have the Instagram self. We all have the the self we put out there. We all have the persona we've constructed and that we bring into the world. Why do we do this? To survive the world. Because right, if Clifford Gertz is right, if, if we can't exist without trying to make sense of the world, then it makes sense that we would tell a narrative about ourselves, that we would tell a story about ourselves so that we can inhabit this thing called life, so I can make sense of the seemingly chaotic things that happen to me, so I can make sense of the randomness when, when tragedy strikes my life. I have to be able to make sense of it, so I tell myself a story. But often that story is a false story. It's a story used to protect ourselves. It's the mask we put on. It's the face we wear to make sense and survive in the world in which we live. And what the word is saying here is that the word of God, when we engage the scriptures, we engage God's word, that word moves past that. It cuts through it. It discerns. It moves past it and says, I want to get past who you're saying you are and who you truly are. I want to get to the inner life that you hide. I want to get to that place because only when I get to that place can I begin to make my story real to you. Someone once said, God wants to save who you are, not who you want to be. 
It's this effectiveness that God, in order for God to work in you, to, in order for God to, to bring order and meaning to your life, in order for God's story to become a real place from which you live, it has to move past the projection. It has to cut through the stuff. It has to get to the very heart of who you are so it might wrestle with who you actually are and not how you want to appear to be. But not only does it do that, it says it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, again, when we read the scriptures, what is happening is not just that we're reading, but the scripture is reading us. And it has this kind of critical quality, not critical in the negative sense, but the word, as we read the scriptures, the scriptures begin to real, reveal to us our own thoughts and motivations. And in doing so, confronts the stories we've been telling ourselves. Our motivations, why we do things, is simply a summary of the story we're living. It's the, just as in, in a novel, a, a protagonist has a motive, and a, the antagonist has a motive, so too do we have motives. And so what happens when we read the word of God, it, it, it's able to see past those motives. Because often we don't even know our own motives, deep down. We may have a clue or a glimmer, but it's able to get right to the heart of who we are, to the stories we're telling ourselves and begins to call those stories into question. But it's not in just this negative sense where it just challenges and confronts the stories we've been telling. It also heals and resurrects the stories we've been telling. That the, the stories that we've inherited, the, 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 the self-talk we've, we've engaged in, that the, that the word of God comes and challenges that which brings us death, but also reaffirms and, and heals that which brings us life. That is the point of the word. The word doesn't just tell us about God, it tells us about us. But in telling something about us, it invites the healing power of God to enter in. It's, it's Isaiah before the throne room of God where he says, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. He's in the throne room of God, he sees God, he recognizes something about himself, and in turn, God doesn't smite him, he heals him, he cleanses his lips and sends him out into the world on his mission. This is what happens when we read the word. The word comes in and challenges, confronts, heals, resurrects. It takes the stories we've been living and gives it new value and new meaning. And ultimately, then we are, like the text says, we are laid bare. But this image, if you read anything about the book of Hebrews, he's using a lot of Old Testament imagery. So the image here is that of an animal sacrifice that used to be in the temple, laid bare on the altar. And, and in this, in, in engaging God's story, we are laid bare. We have no defenses anymore. We have no stories to tell. God has seen past all the stories we've inherited. He's seen past the stories we tell ourselves. He's dealing with us exactly as we are. And it's at that place he can actually make his story our story. To be laid bare before God is to say, God, I know I'm not a blank slate, but you've seen past the stuff. You've seen past the stories I've been telling myself. You've seen past the stories I've inherited. And now you get to enter in and give me your story. And that is what it means to live a life rooted in the story of God. To live a life rooted in the story of God is to accept God's word as your story. To accept the story God is telling about himself 
as your narrative. It doesn't mean it replaces the narratives we inherited because we are who we are. We are, we are flesh and blood. Our stories matter. So it doesn't dismiss these stories, but, but it gives us God's story, which actually gives context and meaning and life to those stories. In rooting ourselves in this story God is telling about himself, he gives us his story to live out, to embody. And you're asking me, Ryan, how does God's story become my story? Well, because the author of Hebrews, when he's talking about the word in this passage, it's not just the written word of God. Jesus himself is the logos, the word. In, 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 in the Gospel of John, in that first verse, says, in the beginning was the word, the logos. And the word was with God, and the word was God. We can embody God's story because God's story became human. The story God is telling about himself, the story God is telling about creation, to root, we can root ourselves in that story. That story can become our own because God's story became a human being. God's story, God's word to us put on flesh and blood. Jesus is the intersection of the divine story and the human story. He is where God's story is made manifest and real. And he does it as a human being because God has always desired to share his divine story with us. To draw us into his divine life. To root us into his story. The story he's telling about himself. The story he's telling about creation. There's, there's a church father, he says, Jesus became what we are so we might become what he is. There is this invitation from God in sending his son Jesus as the embodied story of God that to root yourself in the scriptures, to root yourself in the word is not just to read it, but to actually recognize the word is a person. And that person's story is your story. Because Jesus on, that, on the cross, he took on, he took on flesh and died in our place. And it's that intersection of God sacrificing himself for men that we are now given his story as our own. That we get to call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High God. Co-heirs with Christ. Inheritors of an eternal promise. That is what it means to live a life rooted in the story of God. A life rooted in the story of a God is a life centered on the person of Jesus. And it's Jesus, by becoming human, it's he who sanctifies and redeems our stories. Our stories of pain, brokenness, loss. Jesus, in being broken and experiencing pain and loss, takes all our stories of brokenness, pain, and loss and makes them holy. He brings them into himself, into himself and says, those stories can become stories of resurrection and life. It's stories where we feel isolated and alone, unable to connect to anyone, where, where, where Jesus' stories enters and he too knew what, it, knew what it's like to feel isolated and alone, so much to cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when we feel forsaken by God, that story too is sanctified and made whole and we get to live it out not as the end of the story but as the beginning of resurrection. Jesus is the story we root ourselves in. But to embody Jesus' story begins by learning the story. And this is where we get to reading the scriptures. The point of reading the scriptures is not to get esoteric knowledge about God. It is not to find a, 
a convenient truth we can apply to tomorrow. It is to learn about the person of Jesus, who is the culmination of that story, who is the heart of that story, who is that story embodied, so that his story can become our story. As we read the scriptures, I learn to do what Jesus did in the way Jesus did them. Jesus' story becomes my story. My story doesn't end in death. It actually begins in death and is reborn in resurrection. And so as a church, when we talk about living out the story of God, living our lives rooted deeply in the story of God, we're not just talking about being a church that has a bunch of Bible thumpers in it. I say that, being one myself. I think someone from the church came over to my house um, this past week, like, you have a lot of Bibles. I do. So I don't want to sell this short. Like, I went to school for, like, this book. But if it stays there, if it's just this intellectual exercise where we learn some interesting things about God and maybe we formulate some ethical opinions about how we should live, that would not be enough. Because the invitation to live our lives deeply rooted in the story of God is a life deeply rooted in the person of Jesus, who is the very embodiment of the story of God. And here's actually what happens on the cross. Jesus says, I will take your story and die in your story so you can have my story and live out my story. But we have to learn the story. We have to root ourselves in the story. We have to live out the reality of the story. And so... If you want to learn how to live out the reality of story, we have a convenient class coming up, um, how to read scripture. But again, the whole goal of that class is not just to be really good academics around scripture. It's to learn how to live out the story of God. Because the question we have to ask is, what story is Jesus living out? In his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, what story was he living out? And then learning to say, Jesus, that was your story. And because of what you did through that cross and your resurrection and ascension, that is now my story. And what would it look like to live my life with the full assurance that God loved me and gave himself for me? Um, I'm going to invite the prayer team up. I'm looking at that clock and it's getting to the yellow part. Um, but I'm good? Cool. So, but prayer team, please do come up because... We can, I can talk to him blue in the face, but I think there's a moment where it comes to pray. Because part of these practices that we're going through in the good way, they speak to one another. They have relationships. It's like a dance. And so scripture without prayer is a one-way conversation. Yeah, we're hearing God speaking to us, but prayer is that opportunity then to speak back and respond to God. So there's three invitations I want to invite us to today for prayer. First is this. Some of us, there's some confession we need to do. Some of us have been living out these false stories. Some of those stories are centered on wealth or power, ego, violence. Some of those stories are those stories that come alongside anxiety and depression. I am not enough. I am not worthy. Stories that, 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 that degrade ourselves because we don't see value in ourselves. And when I say we have to confess those stories, it's to simply name God, this is a story I've been living. No judgment, no shame, no condemnation. 
but to come before God and like Isaiah say, hey, this is who I am. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. That's just who I am, God. I'm a person who's lived my life in pursuit of wealth or power. I'm a person who lives a story shaped by ego. I'm a person, God, that my sto- because of what I've been through and the things I've experienced, actually the story I tell about myself is one where I can't even imagine why I have a story at all. And so the invitation is to come confess those stories. Just to say, God, this is the story I've been telling. This is the story I've been living. Second invitation is for healing. Today, some of us don't just need to confess our stories. That's a step. But some of us need to invite God to sanctify our stories. A lot of us have inherited narratives of shame, guilt, condemnation. And Christ wants to come in and tell a new story about you. He wants to heal those stories that you've been carrying for so long, stories you feel like you can't escape. And he says, I want you to root your life in my story. I'm actually telling a different story about you. And lastly, some of us, we need to recommit to living our lives rooted in the story of God. Like you, I've been a Christian, like some of you, I've been a Christian a long time. Um, and here's the thing um, we are in a culture that celebrates moments not longevity and so that happens in our spirituality in which we get wrapped up in the moment of salvation the moment of like yeah I said yes to Jesus or I started coming to church and then we're two, three years, four years down the road and things are stale and dry and it just doesn't feel the same and God feels distant and absent and I Sin that I thought I got rid of years ago has crept back up into my life. I'm like, where, what's happening? And it's because living out the story of Jesus, the reality is, is that that story is easily forgotten in the waves and storms of life. And so for some of us today, it's saying, God, there was a time my life was deeply rooted in your story, and I knew who I was, and I knew who you called me to be, and your son's story was my story. And now, today I'm recognizing that I have forgotten what it's like to live that out, to root my life in it. And all those old stories I swore I gave over to you, I swore you sanctified and redeemed, the voices of those stories are coming back with a force. And I don't know what to do. So for today, today is a day of recommitment to say, God, I remember now the story you're telling about me. The same story you told about your son, which is those it begins in death, it ends in resurrection. So if that's you, I invite you to come for prayer. I'm going to pray for us. Our prayer team is here. I'll be there down there praying. And yeah, what stories have you been living? Maybe today you can inherit and adopt a different story. A story that says, God loved you and gave himself for you. And before you love God, he loved you enough to send his son to the cross to die for you. Let us pray. Father, I don't know what stories are represented in this room, but I do know the invitation in this community 
your invitation is to root our lives in your story. That's going to look different for everyone. But God, we don't just want to be people who have a general knowledge about your story. We want people whose lives are shaped by your story. We want your story about your son to be our story about us. It doesn't have to end in death. It doesn't have to end in loss. It doesn't have to end in suffering. There can be glory. There can be resurrection because your son's story is our story. Would you have us, give us the courage today to name the stories we've been living and lay them down at your feet and receive your story as the gift, the gift of grace that says, you are my child and in you I am well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen.